Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Listen, we are so glad that you are here. And uh, listen, I believe that there is a word that's going to come forth for you. And so we want you to lean in. So if you're kind of new to our culture, here's the thing that I hear all the time. We are at amen, that's good, that's right, preach it, laugh. We like to laugh. So if you grew up in a no laughing church, uh, then this is going to feel really awkward to you. Um, Because some of you, the culture that you came out of was everyone should be quiet for the word. And there should be no talking. Don't breathe loud. We're asking that you, come on, all you mouth breathers, relax a little bit. Because for us to focus, we need total silence. But, but that's kind of not like, I don't, I don't feel like that's family. I don't feel like that's what Jesus did around the campfire with the disciples. I feel like they, he spoke, they received, but it was like, yeah, that's good, that's right. So you're going to hear that, so I don't want you shocked every time someone says, that's good, that's right. And you're like, what, what, what's happening? I was like, like, fire drill. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want you to be engaged and ready. So t- today I'm excited to give up our pulpit to uh, one of my friends. We met three years ago. We are a part of this next level relational network and uh, twice a year Katie and I go to Florida for training uh, to learn to grow to just stay healthy you know way too many pastors just um, uh, really start pastoring because they love people because of so much responsibility it gets very internal and they and we want to sit under teaching like we want to be taught like you we're wanting you to be on the edge of your seat to get out your phone uh, taking notes learning well we go and we do the same thing because we know that we need to continually be fed our marriage needs work come on somebody our parenting needs work come on uh, sometimes my wife needs a little work not really uh, we go for me um, but 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 there is this idea that we want to continually be learning and growing and so for the last three years we've been in relationship and we met Pastor Chino. He is from Atlanta. He's been in ministry for over 21 years and um, just we, we just fell in love with he and his wife uh, Lydia and they, he has um, a family uh, and, and so anyway uh, he is the pastor of Greater Church in Atlanta and I, I just come on like I want you to like just like y'all do so well for me, but even do more than that. You know what I'm saying? That way he wants to come back. Does that make sense? And so we're so excited that he's here. Come on. Y'all stand up. Give him some honor. Come on. Come on. Come on. We're excited that he's here. Listen. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Good morning. Hey, I wanted to take just a second. I got a few. I'm Cuban, so I talk. Um, But I wanted to just take a second and thank the team from Shelby to Devin, Adam, and Nick, who has been amazing. Um, You guys have a special team here at this church, man, and they've taken care of every single moment. And I think um, as as much as I'm so grateful for them, they're a reflection of these two guys who are, not two guys, that would be weird, woman, (laughs) this uh, beautiful pastorate couple that is here. Um, Three years ago, we were part of a group. And, man, we learned. And can I tell you, man, ministry, I know you think I got my teeth straight in my mouth and everything is good. And, you know, we're hallelujah, glory to God. How you doing? Blessed and highly favored. And 
you know, all that good Christianese stuff. But, yo, just like human people, we, we have issues and we have things that we deal with on a regular basis. And, man, I can tell you that uh, Stephen, Pastor Stephen, has been a big brother to me in moments where um, he spoke life onto me. Our group broke up after one year, I think it was. Probably like around one year, our group broke up and because they started doing regional meetings. And I'm in Atlanta. How many of y'all know that's not regional? <laughs> so I went to another, another group, um, but we remained close friends and we remained talking. And you've poured into me in moments that, you know, I, they, I, weren't in, I wasn't in the best of seasons. But in those moments, you spoke life to me. And if I'm honest with you, the house, you guys who are a part of this church, um, you spoke life into us because your generosity, your pastor knew that moments that we needed something that was a little bit more than words. And he cut a check on your behalf. Amen. That got us through a season of COVID. It got us through moments where we were like, God, what's going to happen? And the miracle was answered through your generosity. So when you give, you're not just giving just to put line the pockets of a pastor. But man, I can tell you that that heart is not only here, but so many different pastors they really sow where they want to go and God has done so much through them and through your generosity now here's what I want to tell you yo for those of you that don't know we're smack dab in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> like right in the middle of it boom uh, magically disappearing but boom we're right in the middle of it here's what I <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that but here's what I here's what I will say um there are pastors and friends of mine who I know that in this season, they're still trying to figure out how they're going to meet back in church. Um, I have friends of mine who I'm watching on a daily basis. There's over 30 churches a day that are closing. Um, buildings, people who had large organizations and large buildings that are closing the doors. Um, vision has kind of leaked and left so many of the people who God called to ministry. And you're watching this thing, man, all over the place. You could jump on Facebook and just see it. What's crazy is that I'm here with these two pastors in the front row, and we're driving around all night eating way too much, and we're, <laughs> we're driving around all night, and we're just talking about where he's taking me. He's showing me areas, and he's talking to me about things that he wants to do with you guys. Yo, there is no vision that's missing here. There's no direction that is lost. Like, you have a church, and if I trip on the shoelace one more time, you have, you have a church and a bunch of pastors that actually have you in mind that they don't just want a bigger building. They want a bigger life for you. They want to watch you engage and grow in your relationship with God. And, man, as I see his eyes light up and he begins to tell me, yo, I'm a pastor. Like, I have a church. Like, I've been texting them and making sure that they're good. I gave my phone to Nick because I don't want to text them when I'm preaching. That would be weird. But I have a church that's actually going on, so I understand what it means when you watch this individual sit here and his eyes brighten up as he begins to tell me the things that he's doing with you guys. I don't know if you notice it or not, man, but you're blessed. You're blessed. Would you do me a favor, and would you take about 10 seconds as I tie my shoelace, stand on your feet, and make some noise for these pastors? That was the most stressful tie my shoelaces I've ever had in my life. But Katie, man, Stephen, I love you guys so much, man, and I appreciate y'all. Let me run real quick. Um, do me a favor and turn in your Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. As you look for it on your scriptures, it's going to be in the big old Bible behind me. Um, but I know that we're starting a better way. A better way. And, man, as you look at the climate of where we are as a nation, um, not only from a political standpoint... 
from a, a social justice standpoint, but I think even the G church of Jesus Christ, um, because of the separation that we've created a little bit because of this virus, and we don't use the term social distancing at our church. We actually hate that term. We use the term physical distancing because we're not ignorant to what's happening, nor am I minimizing um, the loss that has happened in the individuals who have been hurt. But I really believe that this is creating something in me and in us. When you lose your hearing or when you lose your eyesight, your hearing becomes so much more attuned. Like you hear things more clearly. It's in these moments when one thing gets taken away that another thing begins to rise up. And it's beautiful to watch as the church of Jesus Christ. My hope is that we would not walk away from a regular Sunday and just hear a bunch of words, but it would be internalized in our heart. Because here's what I want you to understand. The word offense, and I'm not talking about football. I mean in regular life. Everybody is living in a state where we're easily offended. Easily. And I think that if we address that, and if we actually understand what that looks like, and if we receive practical handles, I'm going to give you a practical message on how to be able to deal with that. We're going to leave this season stronger than we entered the season. I promise you, if we catch this right here, because this is probably the biggest caveat that I think as a nation, especially in the United States of America, this is what we're dealing with. If we can understand this, if we can find our way through this, yo, it's going to change the game when we get out of this season. So I'm going to be reading from 2 Samuel chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. And it says, And it happened after this that the king of the people of Ammon died, and Hanan, his son, reigned in his place. Then David said, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent by his hand, by the hand of his servants, to come comfort him concerning his father. And David's servants came into the land of the people of Ammon. Now, and the princes of the people of Ammon said to Hanan, their Lord, do you think that David really honors your father because he has sent comforters to you? Has David not rather sent his servants to you to search the city, to spy it out, and to overthrow it? Therefore, Hanan took David's servants, shaved off half of their beards, cut off their garments in the middle at their buttocks. <laughs> and sent them away. When they told David, he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, wait at Jericho until your beards have grown and they return. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this idea, rock by rock. I'm hoping you're taking notes. I want to speak to you from this idea, rock by rock. Come on, let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you. Um, John 3.30, Lord, let me decrease that you may increase. Lord, I pray that it will be your words. Help us to receive practical handles, Lord God, to be able to navigate offense, for it is impossible that offense will not come. And Father, I'm grateful that you've given us, uh, us in scriptures, Lord, tools to be able to walk and navigate away from this series, from this season that we're in, Father. Lord, I love you. I thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord God. Amen. And amen. Come on, if you're expecting for God to give you a word, would you do me a favor and would you make some noise in this place? Come on, if you have an expectancy in your heart, come on, would you stir up a little bit of faith for the person that's next to you that maybe doesn't have enough? Come on, can you put your hands together? Come on. I'm a notorious categorizer. I will put you in a box quicker than you can imagine. I have categories for different individuals. I could tell you, and I'll show you because each of you fit into a category. I guarantee you that there's some people in here when you're driving in your car, that when your car gets to a quarter tank, you're going to the gas station to go put gas in your car. Like you're one of those preppers. You're like, you have waters, you have canned foods. Like, 
you're prepared. Like half a tank, babe, got to go to the gas station. And then there's another set of group here that you, you wait until the light comes on. Ding. You see the little yellow light and you're like, okay, it's time for me to go to the gas station. I need to, my car told me that I have low fuel. I'm going to go put gas in my car so that it can run. And then there's another group that is special. And me and your pastor may or may not belong to this group. <laughs> he knows what I'm telling that. We may or may not belong to that group. When the light turns on and it says empty, we don't worry about it. <laughs> Turn to your pastor. I say, hey, your, your light is on. He said, bro, I'm grown. <laughs> you know how, how far you can go under the E. And don't, don't raise your hand. <laughs> but there's that group that you know, like, yo, that doesn't mean nothing. The light, that's a, that's a suggestion. Like, I know how far under the E I could go. Yo, I'm a categorizer. I put people in different categories because it's true. Like, we all fit in one of those areas, unless you don't drive, and then you're trying to figure it out. <laughs> but for us, yo, there, there's people. You know some people that you can play with and you can joke with. They have thick skin and you can have fun with. And then you know there's other individuals that you just can't play with. Like, especially, like, if Nick Satan comes into, I mean, Nick Saban um, I'm sorry, not sorry, but, but if Alabama comes into town and, you know, kind of whoops the hogs a little bit, wives, you know, you can't talk to your husband. You're like, hey, babe, how you doing? Good morning. Just ruin their entire day. Baby, woo, come on. No, nothing. You're always playing. Why do you always got to play? Offense literally hits every single person in this room. At one point or another, we've either gotten offended, we are offended right now because I talked about Nick Satan and you're an Alabama fan, or you're going to be offended at some point here today. We all experience this stuff. Like, we're not exempt from these things. Offense, the, the word is scandalon, right? And here's what offense means, right? So this is what it is. It's a trap, and this is the best trap that I could come up with. When you look at the word scandalon, this word right here, this is what's... For those of you guys that can't see, I can't turn it. Y'all out of gas. <laughs> that little stick, that little black stick, that's what's called offense or offense. This is what happens. For some of us, we get triggered because somebody wrote something on Facebook. Somebody said something about us. Somebody insulted us. And all of a sudden, our offense gets triggered. And we end up getting trapped in that offense. And we begin to live a life where we feel like we're offended. You pick up this story um, with David. And, and I want you to see something because you may be trapped and you have no idea that you're trapped. And you may be living a life that's outside of the life that God meant for you to live because you're sitting here trapped in offense. And here's what I would tell you this. David... He understands that this man named Ammon, or Ammon's the king of Ammon, has died. And Hanan, which is his son, is taking over. And he says, you know, I'm going to send a delegation over there with you so that they can actually bring comfort to them. So they can spend some time with them. As soon as they get there, the delegation, the princes, the guys that probably feel like maybe I should have been on the throne. These guys come around Hanan and tell him, hey, you think this guy's coming to comfort you? Like, yo, he wants to take your city. Like, he's coming to spy and they get offended. You ever offend somebody without trying? Like, babe, you're not fat. I just said, are those new jeans? Like, yo, why are you going? Why are you so mad and so frustrated with me? Like, I didn't do anything to you. I'm sorry. 
For no reason, David sends them out there and those guys, they do something that I believe the effects of this, you can see if you're actually living trapped. In this offense, here's what happens. They go into the, into the city and the Bible says that they grab the delegation and that they shave off half of their beard. Now, I want you to understand why this is significant because Leviticus chapter 19, verse 27, write that in your notes. It's not on the screens, but on Leviticus 19, 27, it was illegal. It was, I mean, against, you couldn't even go to church if you allowed for a razor to touch your face. The razor, this, this beard, it actually was where your identity was from, your rank. Who you were, it distinguished you. Men would have beards. You would even see Jewish men even now that they do not allow maybe a blade or scissors, but they can never allow for a razor to touch their face. And basically what they were doing was that they were trying to strip them of their identity. And what happens is that when you live offended, your identity gets thwarted a little bit. That's why if you do something... You can tell when somebody's offended. Good morning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you change your attitude. Did I say something wrong? No, it's okay. It, like, it, like, it changes who you are. It changes your identity. It begins to strip you and make you something that you're not. You're angry when in reality you're always so happy. And what will happen though, the danger with that. And John Bavir wrote a book that I think is amazing, The Bait of Satan. And he kind of references Matthew chapter 24. He says, in the last day, many will be offended. That's what Jesus said. In the last days, many will be offended. Yo, I feel like we're like this close to dun da 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 because there's a lot of people that are offended. Many will be offended. The Bible says, and they will be betrayed and they will be hated. Here's what it is. We're going to lose trust in people and we're going to lose love of people. Because betrayal is losing trust. And actually hating, it's not just being mad at somebody. It's the loss of love where there is no love involved in it. And what will happen is that I feel like if we allow for this thing to seep into our souls and we don't know how to not live offended but be able to process it, get it out, and continue to move on with our life, we're going to end up in that space where those things happen to us. The children of Israel in the book of Exodus chapter 6 verse 9, you see this where the God talks to them and he gives them a clear plan. Every Passover they read this very same scripture found in Exodus chapter 6, 7. Chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. You can read that on your own time. But God says, I will bring you out of Egypt. I will free you from the Egyptians. I will redeem you and I will make you my people. But then in verse 9, you're talking about two verses later. This is what the Bible says about the children of Israel. It says, so Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel. He gave them a promise, four promises, ancient promises that are still available to us today. But they did not heed Moses because of the anguish of spirit and cruel bondage if this thing begins to seep into your heart you'll start noticing that you'll start giving up on dreams on goals on things that God put in your heart because you're just walking around angry because you're offended and it's like a sore and if it gets cut and you don't deal with it it begins to get infected and somebody can just go just breathe on it softly and it'll blow you up good morning what do you mean good morning it's dreary outside. It's gray. It's rainy. It was supposed to snow yesterday. It didn't snow, but it's still cold. <laughs> because, that, because there's a wound that hasn't been dealt with. It's the identity that gets stripped from you with offense. But then the Bible says something real strange. It says that they cut off their, their garments to the buttocks. It's weird. <laughs> it's super weird. <laughs> Here's what I think. It's, it's more than just 
being naked, it's nakedness. Um, being nude is, is the babies. They're, you know, you see them in that. And, you know, husbands and wives, praise the Lord. Like, we, it's acceptable. It's good. But when it talks about nakedness in the Bible, it's speaking so much more about this attack to your mentality. It's stripping you of dignity. It, it's, it's stripping you of your security. Like you're in this place where everything gets stripped away from you. Adam and Eve, the Bible says that God created them in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 2, we kind of get a description. And then in Genesis chapter 3, we know that they fall. The fall of man happens. At that very moment, the Bible says that when she ate from the fruit, she noticed that she was naked. And then they put fig trees around. And God is walking through the cool of the garden. Adam, where are you guys? And he says, we were hiding from you because we were naked. And then God told them, who told you that? Here's what happens, though. Offense or offense will put you in this space sometimes where you feel like your security, your manhood got tested, your womanhood got tested. When people offend you, you begin to lose so many of those different strong characteristics that you have. And you find yourself in a space where now you're just bare and open to everybody. And when you're bare and open to everybody... That's where more offense comes. That's where more of the betrayal comes. That's where more of the hatred comes. You know that when we, when we look at the scriptures, that God was so cognitive. He, he saw what can happen. That even when the, when, the, when the priests were actually offering sacrifices. And understand that they had linen garments. And, but to be nude or, or to be naked. And there would be moments where they didn't have clothes on. That they were offering sacrifices. I know it's so weird. Read the Bible. But Exodus. But even in Exodus chapter 20 verse 26. It says when he's talking about building an altar to me. He says I want you to build an altar to me. But I don't want you to put steps on it. Watch this. Nor shall you go up by the steps of the altar. That your nakedness may not be exposed. Like yo God didn't even want rocks to see your nakedness. I want you to see something because nakedness, most of the time, it affects you. But so much of it affects the people around you. Like, understand this. These people were cut off. They, they cut off the Hammon, the, the Ammonites. They cut off the robe at their butt. Let me show you an illustration. <laughs> Not going to happen. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I like this church. <laughs> I'm coming back. <laughs> And what was happening was that, that that initial like giggle that was like <laughs> that, that little nervous giggle, what I was doing was I was affecting you. Because when somebody is offended, it will affect other people. The Ammonites understood, I'm going to not only insult you, shame you, but I'm also going to send you back because I want the same feeling to be felt by David and by the children of Israel. That's why they cut them off. Can I tell you that that's what happens? At, listen to this. Offense? Offense? It's actually contagious. That's why you don't talk to your uncle because of what he did to your dad. That's why you don't speak to her because of what she did to her. And unfortunately, some of the stuff that we see even in our nation right now has been handed down because offense can be hereditary. And there's a certain demographic that you probably look at differently because everybody in your family looked at them differently. And that's across racial lines, across political lines. This is something that happens in the condition of our heart. Because if I'm honest with you, I don't care what demographic you put in an island, no in or out. You just put that demographic right there by themselves. Guess what's going to happen there? Hate is going to happen there. 
it's going to be hatred amongst each other because it's a condition of our heart. Not minimizing the pain of different denominations. I mean, uh, races. <laughs> I'm not minimizing their pain. But what I am saying is that it's a condition of the heart. And, and when this offense turns into betrayal and you lose your trust and then you start getting hatred in your heart, that's what starts getting ugly. And, yo, let me explain something to you. Before there was ever a United States of America, the Bible says that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Before there was ever a building or ever a declaration, a flag, before there was ever any type of uh, structural government entity, there was a kingdom that was severed. We just read it in Genesis chapter 3. It was broken because of the sin of Adam and Eve. At that very moment, the establishment of the kingdom in heaven, the resources were broken. And the only way for you to get that back, it had to be through the blood of Jesus Christ. It had to be a spotless lamb. The way that the contract was renewal, because Satan was given authority right now. That's what happened. If, if you didn't know, at the garden, our dominion and authority was given to Satan. That's why you see it in Matthew chapter 4 that he says, do you see all of this? He takes him up on a pinnacle and he says, do you see all of these nations, all his authority has been handed to me. I will give it to you if you worship you. Jesus did not tell him, you don't own that authority. He said, you shall only worship the Lord your God. A little bit further down in the scriptures, the Bible says that he's having a conversation where they're calling him Beelzebub. They're calling him the devil. And Jesus turns to them, and he doesn't address it. This is what he says. He says, I have to go into a strong man's house, and for me to pillage or to take his goods, I have to bind him up. Meaning that the only way that I can bring back the authority and the dominion that belong to you has to be through my blood. At that moment, because of legal decree, I could petition the courts of heaven. And this is deep talk. Y'all can go to growth track for that. But... <laughs> but I can give you back your authority, but it has to be through my blood. So Jesus established the kingdom, and that's the responsibility that me and you have. We have a responsibility to continue to move the kingdom of God forward. That's the agenda of the kingdom. I remember watching this movie, and you probably got to watch it on VidAngel if you want to watch it. Praise God. But, but, but Black Hawk Down, there was a time where they were, they were in a big gunfight, and after they're in this big gunfight, one of the guys is wounded, and the lieutenant says, yo, get in the truck and drive and he says I'm, I'm i'm shot right now i'm wounded and he said some colorful words that you shall not utter <laughs> and he told him get in the truck yo i hope today that you would hear the words from god telling you get in the truck there's a mandate there's an assignment over your life there's a calling over your life and we need you to get in the truck we need your voice we need you to walk away from feeling offended into walking into pure health because that's what God has for you. Get in the truck. How do you get in the truck? Or how, how is it that you can not live this life where you're offended all the time? But how is it that you can heal? I, I think it's found here. And how do you deal with it? I think it's found in this very same scripture. Number one, I want you to write this down. How do you deal with offense? How do you heal from offense? Number one, you need a David. You need a David in your life. 84% of the church, and it's beautiful to watch that I was having a conversation with Adam. He was telling me that there's, there's probably a lot more than 84, but there's over 200 people that are members of this church that are actually in life groups. You, you have no idea how much of an anomaly that is. That's not normal. 
That is not normal. 84% of the body of Jesus Christ will never find their purpose, will never be able to develop anything because they never take this step, which I think is important, that they find a David, that they take their mask off and they actually have an individual or individuals that they can have conversations. It's beautiful. And here it is, not a plug, but this idea of having life groups in this church that start today, it's so intricate into the development of your own soul and your own personal life that you have people that you can come to on a regular basis and have real conversations. Don't put on your mask, how you doing, blessed and highly favored, but be able to take it off and say, yo, I'm dealing with some stuff. Yo, I need you to help me walk through some stuff with me. I confess that stuff to God. I don't need to confess my sins to people. James chapter 5, verse 16. It's going to come up on the big old Bible here behind me. It says, therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So isn't that crazy that that little secret that you've been keeping, the pornography addiction, the alcohol addiction, that it's not to shame you. It's not to offend you. It's not to put you in this space. It's like, oh, my God, they're going to know I'm dirty. No, no, no. Listen, yo, don't let these tight pants fool you, bro. Like, we are all trying to figure this thing out. We are all on the journey. For some of us, we've taken the step where we took our mask off and we actually told people, yo, I'm dealing with some stuff that I need you to help me with. There's anger. There's resentment in my heart that I need to process this stuff with you. Because when I say it out loud, I see how dumb I sound sometimes. (laughs) But if the only person that you're talking to is yourself, that becomes toxic. The wound is never going to get healed. But scripture says if you confess your sins one to another and pray for one another, Sometimes we think that's reserved to God. Like healing, only God can give you healing. Yo, God is saying right here that when we have this connection and we pray for each other, that's the product. Healing comes out of that. You don't have to live in that space of your life anymore. You need a David. You need somebody in your life that's actually going to walk with you through this season. That they're not going to make fun of you or shame you in front of people. And I'm not telling you, bro, don't walk into the church and find any random person. I killed the dog last night. Yep. I freaking, I just, tunk, tunk, I don't, I'm like, yo, I'm not telling you that. Be smart in the way you do that. Use spiritual maturity. But I think that's why, I think why God, God has placed these pastors in here that created this space for you. To be able to have people that they understand when they're trained. Yo, this is, this is non-negotiable, bro. You keep your mouth shut. Whatever they tell you, it's what they tell you. Confidentiality is the pillar of having life groups. And confidentiality is the cancer of a life group if it's not there. And man, if I know one thing, I know that this church is going to hold you. They're going to hold you in trust, and they're going to love you, and they're going to walk you through. And they're going to also hold you accountable. Don't charge your phone in your room anymore. That's another message. We're going to keep moving. Yo, David said, (laughs) David said, listen, I heard that you guys got your beard taken off. Your identity was stripped. I heard that you were cut off at the buttocks. Like, not only are they offending you, but now they're trying to offend us. And David sees them from far. The Bible says that David says to them, I want you to turn into Jericho. Number two, if you're writing things down, number one, you need a David in your life. How do you get out of offense? How are you able to deal with this? You need a David in your life. But number two, you got to go to Jericho. You got to go to Jericho. Jericho, the actual word, the translation for Jericho is a sweet place. And I want you to understand this because pastors sometimes can stretch words and try to get things in the Septuagint and bring it back out and flip that junk two times around to meet it. The adverb of this is that, no, 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 listen, when you actually go in the concordance and you look up the word Jericho, you will find these two definitions. Not only is it the sweet place, but it is the Lord's sweet breath. 
That's what Jericho means. The Lord's sweet breath. Nick, smell my breath. That's weird. But no. it's, it's hard for him to smell my breath at a distance. But in proximity, and I'm not going to make you do that because I drank coffee. Breve, shut up. Seven heaven. What is it? Seven eights? Seven bre- that That thing there. Favorite coffee in the world. If you work there, we love you. <laughs> Changed my life. <laughs> but it's, hey, listen, it's in proximity. It's in, it's in proximity that you will gain your health. It's in proximity that you, you smell somebody's breath when they're close to you. If you want to heal from offense and offense and, and, and you want to actually begin to, to walk out the purpose, the life that God called you to, you, you got to get closer to God. You confess your sins one to another. It's huge that you have a David in your life. But, yo, I don't want to bypass the fact that, that you have to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. That not a religion, but a relationship with Jesus. That this idea of actually reading the word and spending time with God, that you don't do this just because you want, you sinned last week and you're like, I'm going to read five chapters because I want God to be happy with me. But that you actually read the word of God so that it can transform you, so it can change and shift your identity. I want you to go into Jericho so that your beard can grow back. Those were the exact words that David told them. It's in God's presence around God that you actually begin to discover your identity and who you are. If you know who you are, you'll know what you're doing. But first of all, you have to be able to spend Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, over 30 times you hear this one term, in him. In him. Paul repeatedly keeps saying that because he understands that if you spend time with God, you begin to develop and understand who he is and you start to understand who you are. And yo, when you understand who you are, when you spend time with God, who you are is always going to determine how you behave. It's going to change the way that you live your life because you're spending time in proximity to God. How do you turn into Jericho? I'm glad that you asked me how to turn into Jericho because I think there's a couple of ways and that's how I'm going to wrap this thing up. And worship team, you can come on up here and make this thing holy for a second. But two ways, that you can, two ways that you can spend in Jericho. Here it is, how you turn into Jericho. You're in Jericho. It's church. It's not the building. It's the function of what happens in the building. It's being around a life-giving culture where you're not only going to be able to spend time in God's presence through worship. You're going to be able to read the word. You hear the word of God. But you're able to live out in community. You're able to get around some people that don't got it figured out, that they're all trying to figure it out the very same way. You know what church is? Here's what church is. There's a big old hole that a dude falls into the hole, and he's sitting in the hole. No, no, if you see me, camera, how you doing? He's sitting in the hole, and a, a, the Bible says, and the Bible says, a story says, legend says, that a doctor walks by, and he goes, yo, doc, help me out of this hole. And the doc looks down. He's like, I got you. He writes him a, 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 a prescription. And he throws the prescription down. A pastor walks by. Pastor, help me. Rev, I'm here. I got you. Philippians 4.13. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. God bless you, my son. Vaya con Dios. But then this random individual, he goes by and he's like, he sees him in the hole. He's like, yo, what are you doing in the hole? He's like, I fell in the hole. He's like, I see you in the hole. He's like, get me out the hole. He's like, I got you. This is simple. And he jumps in the hole with him. Yo, are you... You know, you can't even say words like that no more because they're so offensive. What are you thinking? Like, why would you jump in this hole right now? And he tells him, ah, don't worry about it. I got this. I was in this hole last week. 
That's what happens when you come to church. A bunch of people that have been in the hole. They understand what it's like to be broken. They understand what it's like to live a life outside of Jesus. They understand addiction. They understand pain, depression. They've been on the brink of suicide. Sometimes they jumped over the line, but they found a way out. That's why you need church. It's not just to come and fill a seat, but it's a bunch of individuals that together were walking this journey out. Number one, you, you got to, I think you find Jericho, you turn to Jericho by coming into the Lord's house. It's important that you sow into this house. It's important that you spend time in this house, man. But the second one is, it's important that you establish and kind of create that own relationship with, you, with God. And that you intentionally create these detours. David said, don't come back home. He said, turn into Jericho. You, you need some people that are going to tell you like, don't come home with that. Don't keep living with that. Don't keep wearing that and carrying that. Turn into Jericho. But you have to make intentional moments in your own personal life where you turn off Netflix, where you turn off Facebook for a while. The, the reason that sometimes, and I'm going to be super transparent, the reason why I don't get up in the morning sometimes and, and spend time with God like I want to is because I get super creative at night. <laughs> and here it is that I'm going to bed late. And it's hard to wake up early. But if we're intentional, we cut off the things that we don't need. I was talking to your pastor, and he's like, Chino, I got every single second ironed and everything. I'm intentional. for. I can't sit here and be like, oh, Susie, how you doing? Oh, your dog has lice. Oh, my God. Like, he's intentional with every second because he actually wants to provide life-giving moments to people. He's like, Chino, I don't have no time to waste. This man here, bro, the last three days, if I would have... Yeah, I would, it would have been a mess. He just, yo, he goes. I'm in the car with this man. He's having conversations. It's just because as pastors, our desire is that we want to watch growth happen inside of you. We want you to meet your God, the God that you love. We want you to accept this forgiveness that God has given to you. Like we want you to be able to live a life that's full, bro. Nine times out of ten, it takes your intentionality. But sometimes it's hard because you feel like you're under the trap. I heard this story years ago of this man named, uh, of this kid named Armand. Armand, um, in Armenia, December 7th, 1988, there was a huge earthquake. Um, unfortunately, a lot of stuff happened. Here's the story. The dad takes his son to school. When he takes his son to school, Armand is telling his dad, like, dad, don't leave me. Don't leave me. He's like, no, no, I promise you I'm going to be back. And I'm like, you promise you're going to be back? I promise I'm going to be back. The dad leaves him and he goes on about his day. And an 8.5 on the Richter scale earthquake shatters the city. Over 30,000 people died. This isn't a preacher story. This is, you can Google it and see this. This is actual, they're still recovering from that. And you're talking about 1988 and they're still recovering from this earthquake. The school was decimated. The dad came back and said, I need to find my son. And the authorities, the people that were around, they were like, yo, you don't want to go over there. Like, the school is decimated. It's flat. All it is is rubble. And he says, I'm not taking that for an answer. And he begins to pick rocks up and throw them to the side. And he begins for an hour throwing it out. And people are telling him, yo, what are you doing? Like, stop. He says, are you going to help me? Like, are you going to help me? Because if not, then I got to keep going. And Bloody knuckles and hands, six hours turns into 12 hours of trying to get rocks out of it. And man, it's a, you, I'm telling you, an entire school is decimated.
because of this earthquake. 30,000 people have already died. And yet this man, 24 hours into it, bloody hands, he continues to pull rocks for 30 hours. 36 hours. 38 hours into this thing of pulling rocks. He finally gets to the spot where he just hears and he sees a break and he says Armand and all of a sudden his son yells back to him I'm here he turns to his friends two story I'm telling you, you to google this thing he turns to his friends which they're 12 survivors at this point he turns to them and he tells them I told you that my dad wouldn't leave us I told you my dad wouldn't leave me he told me he was coming back for me the Bible says, the Bible, the story says that he's able to pull the kid out, Armand, and he pulls out these survivors, and so many different news outlets covered it. And you know what's funny? That as I look at that story, I can't help but think of my own personal life. I felt like I was trapped. I had rock upon rock on my life. I had so many different things that have happened to me. I was offended in so many different ways. I had so much sin that had me trapped. And it was beautiful to learn of a God who rock by rock, he eliminated every diverse, every problem in my life, every anxiety, every depression, one by one, he never stopped. We're used to it and we've preached this here for so long. I guarantee you here as well as in my church that Jesus died for me. When in reality, he took it a step further. He didn't just die for you. He died as you. That it should have been you on that cross. That the payment of sin should have been applied to us Jesus never did nothing why would God turn his face from him because Isaiah 69 says that sin is a stench unto his nostrils Jesus never sinned my father my father why have you forsaken me why would he say that because it was my sin that was on him but every second on that cross was a rock being removed and allowing me to be able to resurrect for me to walk out of the cave of offense it was able for me to actually live a life well, now I can accept Jesus and I can live a full life. And for some of you in here, you may feel as if you're trapped under a fence. And it may feel like, man, I don't know how to get over this. I can tell you how to get over this. It's Jesus. I feel like sin has me so trapped. I'm bound. You know, if I'm honest with you, like, yo, I can't stop drinking, smoking, thinking, walking. I, I can't stop doing these things because I feel like I'm trapped good news there's a God that rock by rock can free you there's a God that the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin so that you may become the righteousness of God that God can actually uncover the pain the hurt the things that you're dealing with he can actually turn those things around and give you a life and give you a life to the full would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second man if that's you in this place I want to pray for you there's a couple of groups. One of the groups you may have just offense may be kind of all over you. And you're easily offended. And there's some wounds that you haven't been able to deal with. And for some of us, maybe this, this whole idea is that we haven't even started. We haven't even met the Father. And I want to give both of you an opportunity. If you're in this place today 
and you say, Chino, I don't know this Jesus. I haven't surrendered my heart. I haven't taken a step to give my life to him. Chino, today I want to get it right with God. It's not a religion. It's not walking down the aisle. It's not giving tithes. It's actually making a decision that today the Bible says in a second you shall be saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you shall be saved. And I want to give you that opportunity all over this place. If that's you here today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, out of respect for the person who's next to you, if you're in this place and you're saying, Chino, today I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. I'm tired of living under the sin, the shame, the pain of yesterday. I'm ready to close the door on yesterday forever. Today, I want Jesus. If that's you, all over this place, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I want you to slip your hand up at the count of three just because I want to know who I'm praying for. It's the only reason. This is between you and God. I have nothing to do with this. But all of a sudden, all, of, all over this room, if that's you, today I'm giving my life to Jesus. I want Jesus. I choose Jesus. At the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up. Ready? One, two, three. All over this place. That's you. Come on. I'm raising my hand. I'm giving you my life, Jesus. I'm giving you my life, Jesus. It belongs to you. I'm done with my way. I'm done with my way. Amen. Father, I thank you for every hand that has been raised, Lord. And you understand, Lord God, the ramifications, Lord, of this decision. And Father, we pray right now that even this word, Lord God, will not be taken by the birds of the air, Lord God, by the sun, by the thorns, Lord God. I pray, Father, that they would find fallow ground, Lord, good ground, and that the seed will produce, Lord, in the lives of so many individuals. The hands that have gone up are children who are coming back to you. And Father, we're so grateful, Lord. Do the work, the miraculous work that you said that you would do. Come on, I want everybody in this room to repeat this prayer after me. I want you to understand this prayer doesn't save you. It's faith in the God that you're speaking to that saves you. Everybody in this room, Father, come on, everybody in this room, would you repeat this with me? Say, Father, thank you for speaking to me. Lord, I believe that you came, that you lived a sinless life, that you died for my sins. Three days later, you came back to life to offer me life. Lord, I receive it. I give you my past, I give you my present, and I give you my future. My life belongs to you, Jesus. It's in your holy name that I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, would you put your hands together for everybody who made that decision. Man, hey, man, man. We have, I have one more group that, we, that I wanted to take some time. Would you pray for all of the individuals today that maybe they've been trapped, um, they've been offended. Would you pray for freedom today that they would begin to stay, take their steps? Amen. That they can meet the Father, Amen. that they can find real forgiveness, that they can live free, yeah. that they can actually be able to start fueling their purpose in their life. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the House website. We hope you have a great week.